Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for November 13th, 2023. Featuring poet Kay Iver leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am Jason Koo and your host and MC for the November Yop was Darius Phelps, who incidentally celebrated a birthday. On November 13th, you'll hear the audience singing happy birthday to Darius at the start of the recording. For more information and to get tickets for the Brooklyn Poets Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Pau Ahimsa, Brian Petchers, Ellie Bell, Hunter Hodkinson, Taylor Molly, George Bakken, Dawanga Leslie, Kiara DeLelo, Claire Miles, Darius Phelps himself, Jess Gagne, Jim Stewart, Mark Weissman, Alexis Dibbs, Megan Gwilt, Winston Chang, Caitlin Gilmet, Rachel Sachs, Chloe Johnson, Mox Trussell, and last but not least, Nat Mesnard. Okay, well I'm excited to listen to this month's open mic, which I have not yet heard. So without any further delay, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for November 2023. Enjoy. All right. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. This is recording. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. That is not how I expected to kick off the Yopcast, but thank you. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm your host and MC, Darius Phelps. Welcome to our monthly YAP. Today is Friday, Monday, November 13th. <laughs> and we're going to kick it off with our phenomenal workshop teacher tonight, Kay Iver. So if you do me a warm welcome and give Kay a warm welcome <laughs> to come to the stage. Hi. Excited to start this off and stop listening to myself talk in a second. All right, I'm going to read. I'm going to read three little desire poems, and two of them are very touristy, very New York touristy poems. Yes. Yes, I like attention. Here we go. Okay. This is called Central Park. Inside my lover's mouth, I taste what I can't touch. The Octobering of sycamores, the boulder tourists stand on for selfies, the choreography of kites. This is where desire begins, this pulse from lip to throat. I want you means my mouth wakes me up, asking to close around you. Psychologists say oral fixation points to adult addiction. My addiction to lovers made adulthood possible. Loneliness will absolutely rot away teeth. 
My mouth has always known mistakes. In our hotel room, my lover leans over me, says, open your mouth before he spits. The deep peace sound of his lips, another command. Inside my cheeks, the first complete echo. My lover prods my lips down and sideways like a dentist. He tongues the surface of every tooth. He opens his vulva above my face, says, suck softly. I can't, not softly. All right. This is, no. <laughs> you didn't have to clap. I um, just said, all right, to segue into more East Manhattan. This is called East Manhattan. Um, on our night walk to Baralo, my lover passes as sir. He says, you look handsome when a vendor calls me ma'am. His length towers mine, makes me feral with want. In our hotel room, he binds my arms with one sheet, squeezes my neck with the other. When he studies my face, red and gasping, his pupils eclipse blue. I, too, am drunk on his power. He says, do you like looking at me? I've never watched. Not like this. Still, something in the room smells old. The way I can snort a person, lie back and miss obvious danger. At the opera, a tenor begs the princess he loves to spare his head. My lover leans close to me, whispers, are you sore? Did you bleed? He wraps his hand around all five of my fingers to show how deep they were. Days later, on the phone, with states between us again, he says, I was surprised to miss you, to want to know more. He has questions about my past. I tell him exactly how to abandon me. Hey. Thank you. Um, this last poem is the first of the series that I wrote, and it's a little prayer. And um, I've been told by a lot of mystics of all the monotheistic religions and of other traditions as well that prayers can be a fuck you. And um, yeah, that's how I kind of like to write mine. Um, this is called God, comma. I thought my lover was you. With injections and surgical scars, he welded a gender I envied. I prayed nightly to his plush mouth, believing it had built me. It answered in commands. Leave this pen in your teeth. Press your cervix against mine. I'd never eaten a word so willingly, never tongued a wafer so eager for the next. My lover chased me across states like I thought you would. In a bedroom lit by a hallway, he tied my wrists to my ankles and gave me the lashes I wanted because he wanted. I said, do you feel powerful? He said, between hits, I am.
God, were you watching? Could you see what bright streaks worship can make? How suddenly the worship can flee the room, flee the body he had just flattened into walls, called beloved. I haven't touched myself since. What a miracle, this wait. I waited for you exactly this way. Thank you for listening. Thank you. All right, y'all, let's give it up one more time for Kay Iver. All right, so now we're going to first kick, up, kick off the open mic portion of tonight. So I'm going to go through just a few reminders. Open mic readers, you can read one poem of three minutes max. All right, so I repeat, that is three minutes max. I will be timing you. <laughs> All right, so just in case you're new here, every month the audience votes on poem of the month uh, by choosing one poem. So please listen very carefully for the, to this. I uh, was a former elementary school teacher and I kind of don't like repeating myself. So <laughs> please wait until the end of open mic to vote by texting us the poet's name, which I will repeat multiple times, to the number 718-374-1953. Again, the number is 718-374-1953. If you text it now, we will know. <laughs> Please <laughs> vote once and only once, okay? And please don't tell your friends, your homies, anyone on the street corner to vote, okay? Just one vote. <laughs> we will know. I'm a Scorpio. I will know. <laughs> so <laughs> the 12... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so the 12 winners of Pope of the Month over the course of the year will face off next month. And Hey, someone's talking while I'm talking. Whoa. I'm going to wait. <laughs> So really quick, every month we record the open mic as the podcast. We will publish this as the Yopcast. If you do not want to be on the recording, you need to notify me afterwards, and we can edit you off the recording, okay? And like I was saying before I was interrupted, the 12 winners of the Poem of the Month over the course of the year will face off for Poem of the Year contest next month in December. Tonight's going to be a quick turnaround. That's why I asked you all to make sure you put your name and email, and possibly Instagram handle if you're on social media, so we can contact you and get this ball rolling tonight. All right? I'm going to go ahead and kick it off with our first open mic reader, our very own Pal Ahimsa. So let's welcome Pal. <laughs> so this, uh, I'm not sure if this is a poem or not to be quite honest. So maybe I need to get my poetic license renewed or something suspended. Um, this actually started off as a gratitude list and it just, sometimes poems just kind of come out that way for me. So these are all like very, you know, like only I'll get most of these references. <laughs> but um, anyway, Schmoopy, dreaming away on the arm of my favorite chair, New York Harbor and my first memory just steps from my front door, biking by this and other reminders of love and service almost every day. Two friends simple talk in a kitchen on Clinton Street multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill. Also to be human, which is to say to be deeply flawed and still able to help others 
despite this fact or possibly because of it. If forgetting is the only sin, as Emmanuel stated, then remembrance must be the only virtue. Words and learning how to use them more effectively, at the same time asking what is the formless essence of these constant scratches and utterances of clicks and breath, symbols, expression, style, compassion, divine in all, forgiveness, love's convalescence, a broad channel, my first childhood refuge at the northern end has become a holy site scattered with half-rotted coconuts and statues of Ganesh. Religion is a means to an end, not the end itself. Nisargadatta, clarity is happiness. Krishnamurti, no measure of health to be well adjusted here. Fifties off to a good start. These are the days. Smiling, not cheekily or arrogantly, mind you, at the coming return of Saturn. I'll be ready for you this time. Still holding on to a healthy-ish hatred for society, even though there's pumpkin spice, walnut pancakes, beyond sausages, tart red pear, Sunday morning Brooklyn poems. Thank you. All right, thank you, pal. Up next, we have Brian Petchers. Let's welcome Brian. Hello. So I'm new to this, so I figure it's... <laughs> I figure it's time to read one of my poems out loud. So, all right. This is called The Innocence of Youth. The hot cascading light on the whitewashed walls thawed the wonder like a warming glacier, spilling nothing but mystery through an unpluggable hole in the tenuous life vessel. Thus the flaw with the nature of man, or better yet, the modern man, who is lucky enough to experience lily pads and the droplets of the desire on cold spring mornings and seagrass catching golden beams from the outer fields. With the bloom of red dive bar lights blinding the hearts of barefoot kids on humid evenings, running toward endless summer quests, to discover the unreachable, which nowadays is a mere flicker eroding away with every wave of cold water washing ashore. And the salty outlines that trace back and back to circles of friends, squaring off with the promise of tomorrow, which will always be in sight, like a lighthouse at night, if you keep up with and hold on to dearly that slippery innocence of youth. Thanks. All right, thank you, Brian. Up next, we have Ellie Bell. Let's welcome Ellie. Um, so I get to do something exciting, and I printed out my debut poetry manuscript today for the first time. Thank you. It's very exciting for it to be on paper and to hold it in my hands and for it to not just be on a screen as it has been for 15 years. Uh, it's very strange. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, but I'm going to read something from it that is one of my favorite poems. Uh, I wrote it in uh, the ever popular and incredible uh, John Sands Emotional Historians. It's called Even in Revision. If someone took my life story and told it to me as their own, I would be so new baby bird tender towards them. 
Soft water, my response. When I tell someone else the religion of my life story, I worry about when the pity starts. If I am always assuming there is a when to the pity or the cruelty, then of course I am always scared. And the anxiety of when I will be left never gets to turn into the anticipation of if someone stays and I deserve it. How do you let someone touch you gently when most touches have ended in scars or wounds? How to be like grass, which is often cut, pulled, or fertilized with something that smells awful because it is literally shit, but expects that this is all part of being tended and that sometimes the tending is soft hands, that this is all growth. If I let myself believe someone could love me, I would let someone flirt with me. And if someone flirted with me and I liked it, then I might have to learn to trust again. And if I ended up in a loving relationship, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. How to let someone curl themselves a question around me instead of being held at a distance. Because when I am not in a loving relationship, at least I know what to do with myself which is yearn and wish, but never imagine the other side of if. Let myself panic when the twinkling star winks at me from the sky, and I don't know what fate has in store, so I sabotage someone's heist of my heart by hermiting and cloaking myself invisible, making my body a DeLorean that travels exclusively in the past and lives there in a place when it is not possible to be loved. Because if I knew love like I've seen some people have, I might have to learn how to be content. Might have to learn a language unlike panic, which I'm very good at. And being uncomfortable can be so alluring, you know. Sometimes I think if I could hear your thoughts, I would always say the thing you want to hear, which I have to remind myself would not be love. The tension of not knowing if this is the right thing to say means that when it is, miraculously, what you wanted to hear, this is something real. We are communicating somehow while speaking different tongues entirely, raised in homes unalike in dignity, mine one where tongues and bodies, memories, words were used as weapons, yours one that was down pillow soft, even if sometimes suffocating. But if I learned a new language like peace, which is different than being comfortable, you know, my body would have to learn to cocoon itself into a work in progress, worthy of being loved, not yet butterfly or dragonfly, but something that will be chosen even in revision. All right, now we have our very own Hunter Hodgkinson, who's coming from the back. So give them some time to make it up to the front. Let's keep it going for Hunter. Hi, everyone. Hi. I'm Hunter. Um, I had a zine launch on Saturday. 
thank you. Yes, thank you to everyone who came and everyone who contributed. Um, I, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. I actually have a few copies for sale in the back if any of y'all are interested. It features poets in the community. Thank you. Um, so the poem tonight I'm going to read is called Grief Travels on Foot. My childhood dog, suddenly gone, October morning, 400 miles away. The grief travels on foot. Mom sobs uncontrollably. I can only do so much through this bad connection phone screen that pixelates her tear-streaked face. I've spent nearly five years away from Ohio. With brief moments of visits in between, it's hard to notice something age when you don't see it every day. My mother's condition is a result of witnessing daily deterioration. A sweet little dog with cat shit breath and a raptor claw that grew like a half moon circling in on itself. She watched the grays take over, watched her go blind, watched seizures seize, an image trapped solely in my mind, hardly real. The weekly updates ping-ponged like song wa sound waves between phone towers. It isn't until long after she is gone that I FaceTime my mother just as she's getting home from work, and I watch her pixelated face enter the house I grew up in. And by mistake, I wait for the sound of the collar jingling, tail wagging, and mom shrieking in that highest pitch, Hi, Peanut! It isn't until then that I hang up the phone, lay down on the floor, and weep. Thank you. All right, thank you, Hunter. Up next, we have our very own Taylor Molly. About two weeks ago, I dropped my kids off at school and then kept driving five hours up to Lincoln, Massachusetts to visit my sister and her husband. And I hung about 15 paintings and mirrors in an hour. They had just moved in after a renovation Hanging pictures is something I can do easily. My brother-in-law is kind of useless in that <laughs> regard. And they said it made them feel so much more at home. Then my sister went to bed at about 6. And the next morning at 7.30, uh, she and my brother-in-law went to her chemo appointment. And I drove five hours back to Brooklyn. And I got this poem called On Visiting My Sister for What I Hope Is Not <laughs> For What I Hope Is Not the Last Time. Or a prayer can sometimes be a fuck you. Or it wasn't till I got home until I started weeping. Have you ever cut fresh flowers from the garden? place them in a glass vase 
and then put it in the center of a clear, uncluttered table, only to whisper into their petals, I wish you didn't have to die, without ever once breathing in their scent or even once opening your eyes. I don't want to do that again. Which is to say, I am done with thinking of cancer as a battle you have to fight, a foe, the enemy, a war that must be won. I am all for raging against the dying of the light, but not if it means we're going to miss the beauty of the setting sun, gloriously blasting the last of dusk's last clouds with fire to speak nothing of the night and soon the merciful emergence of the moon, Venus, maybe Mars, and we don't even have time to get started on the stars. So please, take my hand. We might not have long. First, I want to tell you that I love you and that I will miss you when you're gone. And second, I want to say that my greater wish is for you not to go at all, ever. At least not this time around. It is human not to want to dwell upon the worst. But please don't let me waste the rest of your days on ways of telling you only the second thing. Then the rest of my life cursed knowing it would have been best had I only focused on the first. Thank you. All right, y'all, keep it going for Taylor. All right, up next we have a George Bakken. Let's welcome George to the stage. Howdy. Uh, this is my second time reading. Thank you for having me. Um, happy birthday. Thanks for all the great pictures. If you want me to pose later, let me know. Um, got a couple uh, warnings I've been told to give out before reading this out loud. Um, just for your safety and mine. This is a uh, graphic content warning, so if you're not cool with guttural and uh, Lots of just badness, I guess. Uh, you can leave. Um, and then a content warning for fiction. Uh, the story, all names, characters, and incidents portrayed in this production are fictitious. No identification with actual persons living or deceased. <laughs> Places, buildings, and products is completely coincidental and is not intended or should be inferred. So, there. Um, the title of this is there's no body here I can be my true self around except for the dead. All right. With every sorry from our mouths and fingertips, we're forfeiting a fiber of our own fabric. Rick with a brick, your liquid flow turned amber by the sun's receding glow. The heat of July brought the flies rapidly to your flesh. I had only a lick and a bite, but it did the trick. Your parents never gave a frick. The rest of the town never found you and never will. 
Will on the hill. 12.01am struck, ending all your luck, you schmuck. Pulled from the muck with my truck, the saw never got stuck. Limb by limb, inch by inch, I pinched your cheek, playing, pulling, stretching as the rest of you cooked. Your lifeless face still displaying such grace. We got grace in the lace. The oven was giving you some lovin' as I heard for the first time them knocking. The pattern reminded me of the first time we were bonking. The churns turned the finest butter, the knocking again without a stutter. I held your heart in my hands, and I could swear I felt it flutter. Chantilly, blue of Perry, or was it green of Kelly? This dismembering distracts my remembering. Perry, you were very hairy. <laughs> Surprisingly, each strand landed with landed well once salted, weeks after you were assaulted. The events of which you cannot be faulted, a pristine Wolverine's final scene. Had issue at first with your tissue, lack of experience with force so dense, never had a more deserved raw berry malt dessert. Into the steely cold vault you went, ready to be gorged, far from your warm wild gorge. George produced prime porridge. <laughs> I knew I was not going to get through that without laughing. Okay. Um, George produced prime porridge, slid down my throat easier than a boat floating on a healthy current, currently topping a second helping with your toenails. The rest of this course is, of course, you as well. I'll spare you the details. You move so slow, a snail, only letting out one wail. Your slop was a fitting addition to the crop. Constant crafty for the rest of the week, made of all you weak. You can't spell the word diet without using the word die. Thank you. All right. Thank you, George. Up next, we have Tonga Leslie. Let's welcome Tonga to the stage. You let me come up in silence. Wow, hateful. <laughs> um, great to be here again. Uh, tomorrow I am reading at Endless Blue, which is at Bowery Poetry Club at 8 p.m. There's an open bar with Mescal and queer poetry, so come out. Um, this poem is called Self Love. And it also has a, a trigger warning, sorry. People say that there are people who love you, as if that ever put the bullet back inside the chamber or scrubbed the scrambled bits of brain from the white wall. I don't mean to be so cavalier about it, but where are those people when it's time to do the loving? I do a bang-up job of loving me. Today I did it all myself, folded the shirts that might as well be wrinkled, bought the salmon, made my sad dinner for one, I used placemats because I'm not an animal. I even lit a candle when the food was done. I am trying hard to be my own beloved, waiting for myself in a dinner gown and pearls, but I'm always coming late, always fucking up the entree, always hurling a plate of fucking peas against the wall. How many times can you tell yourself, get up, get up, 
and clean this whole thing up. You stupid, worthless idiot. Why can't you do anything right? How many times can you pick up the last P and say, he's had a rough day, but I know he's really good? Can you trust the little gifts you leave yourself in the next morning's fragile peace, the tenderness that takes the place of an apology? I tell my best friend on the phone I'm getting better. I want to believe that a new life starts today. I'm coming back to myself as a virgin groom. I have these fleeting moments of coherence where I can almost make peace with dying unknown. These are the moments that I cling to in the other rooms. Looking up from the bottom of the spiral, I feel embarrassed for believing I could change. And I can't take it, but here I am taking it. And now I'm hearing footsteps in the corridor, a soft voice asking gently, can I come in? I am familiar and I am afraid because whatever comes, I know it's only me. Amen. All right. Thank you, Tonga. We're going to keep it moving. Up next, we have Kiara DeLello. Let's welcome Kiara. As she treks from the back, let's keep it going. Thank you. Yeah? What I have learned about powerlessness. What I have learned about powerlessness is that sometimes it drives me to make soup and give it to my neighbors. <laughs> minute by minute I grasp hope, then despair, like finger-thin boughs that bend, then break. I cut more lemon, more ginger, the water they steep in an impossible bounty. What I have learned about powerlessness is that there isn't only one kind. They dropped bombs on a hospital. Bombs are dropping on hospitals. And my cousin drives herself to rehab again, this time up in western New York where I think the leaves must already be rushing toward red and brown, orange and gold. What I have learned about powerlessness is not what they wanted me to learn. Powerlessness as serenity powerlessness a cold coin in each numbed hand. What I have learned about powerlessness is that it's not for me. Not for me, the kind where I am no good to anyone, including myself. Today, the double line in the road picks up the glow of each changed saffron yellow leaf, saying danger, saying beauty, marking lines we're taught not to cross. They are bombing a refugee camp. Bombs are falling on refugees. And I am making soup. Bombs are falling on children. I am greeting my neighbors. A father is pulled from the rubble. I am calling and calling. 16 members of one family die in the same minute. I am calling and calling and calling. Three 
then five, seven, then nine, 12,000 times over they have tried to tell us how powerless we are, yet witness our feet flooding the pavement. And perhaps I've learned nothing after all, if I can still dream of staying the hand of spineless, curdled men who see infants behind NICU glass and think terrorists who rain down white phosphorus on families and tear gas on calls for justice, who cut the lights, the literal power, when we will not take their lies lying down. Perhaps I've learned nothing if I dream of their power-eaten husks choking out, I hear you, I have heard you. If I can still dream of wrongs made right, I still dream of wrongs made right. I don't mean things will ever be the same. The wrens in the trees have stopped saying, tea kettle, tea kettle. They scream, ceasefire, ceasefire, ceasefire. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kiara. Up next, we have Claire Miles. All right, let's welcome Claire. Um, I've been working on being more perceived as a poet, and in doing that, I, um, I have a poet name. My poet name is Claire Madden, so that's what I'm going by. Uh, in a sy synchronicity by the universe, I found that handle like everywhere. Um, so this is called In Which My Yearning Has a Face. My first spoken word poem was about how no one will ever love me. I now ask myself if I'm addicted to getting on my hands and knees for my own sick prophecy, crawling towards it in a subordinate stupor, struck blind by visions of myself pinching my belly, painting lines on my eyes and eating small bowls of soup, sitting five hours in a chair for scalp-tight braids and hot water burns, going back to school as their Medusa, dressed in J. Crew Mary Janes in a Lily P. dress and being left to rot on a student center couch alone and waiting for anyone, until the only remains are a desperate, lying heart with yearning as her pulse. My yearning, the inveterate detective, looking to feed the heart at any risk, leads me to swipe right on someone. Yearning strikes a happy jolt in my chest when I get the invitation to come over but maybe it was the moment that he saw me coughing in the clutches of a joint and decided to kiss me anyway as I heaved desperate for breath, or the moment when I pulled away and did not see concern looking back. Maybe it was the movie night that wasn't a movie night after I brought over popcorn and Oreos to share. Maybe it was ending the night naked and hungry instead, where I would question yearning and her nudges to uncover intimacy at all costs. Yearning fights back and says to stay the course, that he wanted me so bad he wouldn't stop. After five years, I have not heard from him in five years. I live in my head. I have a dream in which there is no yearning. I'm back in the room with the same man. He lets me sit on the edge of the bed with my clothes on and fetches me cool water from a kitchen I never saw. I suck a cough drop. He does not excavate me. 
We watch the movie till it ends and I laugh. The butter popcorn and the double stuffed Oreos do not stay sealed. The credits roll and he drives me home and we never see each other again. I forget him. I lean into my solitude. I walk a loop around Prospect Park and feel actively alone. The alone, the feeling of younger me with armor on tastes bitter, bittersweet in my heart, but is painfully patient. I bathe my heart's solitude in dilute hope, each wash a glance across the fields. I see a child take off her training wheels and beaming in a, patient's, a parent's pride. I see a puppy nuzzle a new owner. I see a group of friends at a potluck picnic. I see a text from a friend. She wants to grab dinner sometime. She misses me. Love is here and love is out there. Thank yeah. you. All right, give it up for Claire. All right, since it's my birthday, I'm gonna go next. All right. <laughs> it's been a while, so it's a little rusty. We'll let them go. <laughs> I'm a bit of a diva. <laughs> All right, this one's called Holy Redemption. I choose you like water over wine, beckoning you to be my communion that quenches my sinner's thirst. My holy grail, I was once loved before, but I am bruised by his hands. I am broken by his actions. Heaven only knows how much I want to change. I beg you, help me find my holy redemption. Please be patient with my love, for I breathe flowers even you can't water. I whisper in the dark, hoping it'll reach you. I can hear the silence capturing what was left of our time together. This love will destroy you. Now it's your turn to cry. Thank you. Up next, we have Jess Gagne. Cut out. I can make space for every blue part of you, here where you see all the green ghosts in me. This is the portal we stretch ourselves through. The low sky growls. It will hold one more night. We pour the water. You pass me your coat. We joke about chivalry, but then later at home, you lay your head in my lap. Tell me you are thinking about death. Seeing beyond nothing, I gather up the green, lash together saplings of what's missing, build a bridge to something you can hold, as in encircle in your arms, even if it's just the shape of put your arms around me, mine around you. Is there anything more blue-green to do? All right, thank you, Jess. Up next, we have Jim Stewart. 
It's called uh, Max Beckman versus Mean Curvature Flow. You'd have enjoyed this circus too, Max. I can see how you'd have drawn it thrown together like you do waiters to dining sheds on 2nd Ave dodging delivery cyclists while sharp-faced children in Crocs and polar fleece chase each other in circles around the Amazon delivery guys. Smoking on a pallet box on a dolly, the Queensboro Bridge and tram to Roosevelt Island overhead, and in the corner, a body falling under the wheels of a refrigerator truck. And no one can see all that, but Brock understood, and Hamilton and Perelton, that if you're going to continue the transformation, just a few ways make sense. And if you understand that, you could include the crooked white towers at Blue Slip, the ladies in Sunday hats outside the Pentecostal church on Flatbush, and the woman assembling a puzzle on her phone on the four train. And it gets ridiculous, but the developer who coded that moment of algorithmic joy shared over the network because so many unknown mathematicians feel the beauty in the scaffold of reality, we'll never know. But you understood that when there's a bottleneck, a choke point, everything explodes to infinity. Bodies are grabbed and mutilated. Wars are like infection on the news, and every table at a cafe becomes a cable talk show over Caesar wraps and flat whites, and no end to how tight and fast it can get, and you know how bad. Sometimes there's a dog or a cat. They sit under couches or on a piano. They don't know they are part of the picture to be like that. Is that why so many people yawn or to slow the transformation down? My radius keeps getting smaller. I may not be safe in this picture. Thank you, Jim. Up next, we have Mark Wiseman. Right up for Mark. Who's coming from the back? Keep it going. He's almost there. Thanks, Darius. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> that's right. Um, if I may, I just want to start with a prayer, even though some are not quite right, okay? But, Oseh Shalom Bimorav, Huya Oseh Shalom, Aleinu Ve'alkol Yisrael, Ve'alkol Yoshevei Emet, Ve'imiru, Amen. It's a prayer for peace for all the people of the earth. Hagar, where is the well? Um, the quote is, uh, God opened her eyes, and she saw the well, Genesis 21:19. Hagar, where is the well? At a peace festival in the desert, under a hospital besieged, inside a safe space from a safe space on campus? Hagar, where's the angel who came to you? I need its number. Where's the God who heard your son's cry in the wilderness? Hagar, what is the well? A black hole or its radiant light, a mirage of a covenant 
or potable water, doom scrolling, an eye for an eye. Hagar, is your child my child? Is the kibbutz yours too? Hagar, what happened to non-lethal weapons, those foams and mists by which the tanks are stuck, the bombs are lost, the drones and rockets and paragliders blinded by which the youth return to their rave, their skulls sewn up, spiraling forth prophetic borderless parties and commutes? Hagar, I don't know what's Jewish about occupation. Hagar, my gay progressive Zionist rabbi, said you saw the well and so can we. Hagar, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. Humanity is too much, are we there yet? Sometimes we hide Anne Frank, sometimes deport her. Hagar, open our eyes. Ukraine, Uvalde, Sudan, Xinjiang. Hagar, I'm in the burnt sea of the desert, hallucinating hope, encoded in the reverse entropy in my cells. Hagar, where is the well? Where is the water? Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mark. Up next, we have Alexis Dibbs. Hi, I'm Lex. I really don't know what I'm going to read. I was between two poems that are very different. Um, but I think I will go for my birthday poem in lieu of Terry's birthday. So I... <laughs> So I wrote this um, about six months ago when I uh, turned 25 and I thought I was going through a quarter-life crisis. So this is a poem about that. <laughs> okay. 25. 25 is a handful of blueberries. Ice cream in sub-degree winter weather. Dinner parties of three with flowers blooming down the runner come spring. As I wait for summer sun, cue the world's tiniest violin. Bow for the playlist of my quarter-life crisis dream, running from something long-awaited. Tuning in while sailing out in the city of Porto, watching the sunset while settling for clouds looking like hell, I'm here for the plot. Plotting self-care, mental health days, corporate America calls this being sick. And I'm sick of America, so I'll take the next flight out tomorrow if it means I am happy yesterday. I'll find someone who loves me ugly at my prettiest and silliest and hungriest in a European city. Dance in my skirts and my dresses and everything I only wear when I feel my best and I have no intention of ever being serious. Seriously, 25 seems serious and I'll commit to that bit deeply with lots of peace and love and a postcard from me when I'm gone. 25 is a handful of blueberries and blackberries and raspberries and new pals formed in old third spaces around the world, no longer strangers, I'm a gatherer of memories. Stamped decaf oat milk lattes, greetings from familiar tongues in foreign places, and now a foreign face in a city we both dated. Catch me solo dining with sprinkles of kindness, paying New York City prices to disco in silence this year, I'm packing light. Because life gets heavy, Always unexpectedly, expect the unexpected, very expectedly, with a glass of kombucha in hand. 
drank to wind down the day sober, hunter of four-leaf clovers, spinning perception in circles, any win is a means for a celebration. If 25 means quarter-life crisis, I guess I'll celebrate it. Thank you. All right, thank you, Lex. Up next, we have Megan Gwilt. Birthday, Darius, you're such a gift to the space. Um, this poem is just called I Digress. At the top of April, spring in its infancy, I find us on a bench in Brooklyn. I'm overdressed for coffee yet again, but you don't know how common this is yet. Just a poet who got back from London, who found the courage to ask for a coffee date only to complain about the lack of caffeine-free options. I find us laughing all the way to a park when we decide the day was too nice to waste in a crowded coffee shop. New York City deciding to grab every lingering snowflake and magic it into glitter under my wedges. The sun always shines on us, but sometimes the wind blows like one beach day when I was staying with your family, when the wind whipped in from the ocean and made an 80 degree day feel like 50, but we still parked our blanket and I ran off in search of shells to decorate our home. And you worried I drowned because I was out of sight for too long. A mother with her child, you tell me, wow, and good job when I follow you into the water, even venturing to dip my head below the waves and we laugh when I come up coughing. But you do not know her yet. You see a bitch with a bad bob and an iced herbal tea with something she desperately needs to say. At the top of April, the sun deciding it's tired of rain. I find us on a bench discussing our weekends. When I get the courage to ask your opinion on a mutual connection, when you share my hesitation, when we discover we are not alone, but we do not know how alone we are or how not alone we are. But for this moment in April in Brooklyn, I feel my rock hit the summit. You tell me to sit and to talk, like we now do almost every day, making tea in our matching mugs at any hour and talking about whatever comes up at our kitchen table we carried for a mile across Brooklyn in August, admiring our own handiwork around the place, the, pa the painted walls, the garbage-plucked furniture, the thrifted teacups, but we haven't done that yet. Haven't spent three months looking for an apartment or five days in the same room or five hours waiting for my movers. We haven't renamed our Wi-Fi. I think I'm still a blondie to you, no grown-out roots to reveal my true colors. We haven't renamed you spouse in my phone because roommate is not an option. You have not yet tried HelloFresh leaving a fork out for me to taste the shockingly good squash and couscous. Have not yet gotten Evan Peters' number at a birthday party in Brooklyn. <laughs> have not yet started theming things because we don't have enough chances to dress up. Have not yet learned that I truly am an orange cat. You are constantly cat-sitting. Have not yet learned my cabinets have space for every can of worms you could ever want to open or hide inside my extra storage. You have not yet shared your family, your home, your pina colada on the beach, which I don't yet know you love, and I don't even know your last name yet, and I don't even know how much I will love you, because now it's April in Brooklyn, and the sun is slashing through every last cloud while my butt goes numb on a bench, and I learn just how parallel our lives have been. It's April, and it's too cold to go to the beach, but it's the perfect weather to sit on a bench, laughing, crying, sharing, staring, to people watching to drink a decaf oat milk latte. It's the perfect weather to meet your best friend. All right. <laughs> so much love with that one. <laughs> All right. We are running short on time, so I'm going to keep it moving. Up next, we have one of my favorite people, Winston Chang. 
Thank you, thank you. I know we're short on time, and I know a theme has been prayers is fuck you. And let me tell you, I'm a big believer in praying and saying fuck you to God. But God also spoke back to me real quick, and he gave me the last line of this poem, which says, I will kick God in the shins, because that was my joke recently. Um, and his return was, you can do that, but you better not be kicking me in the shins all the time, right? So let's all remember to honor a little sacredness, however you find it, right? And also, you know, there. thanks. No, thank you. Politely declining the burden of grief is simple enough. Avoidance is a fine strategy. I can maintain a respectful distance from emotionally disheveled. Display model only. 31 male seeking distraction from my internal dialogue, a ceaseless, incoherent screaming. I've got certified suppression systems that are quite effective, no room in my head for breakdowns, ethereal water cooler chats, uncontrollable core uh, convulsions, depression naps in my favorite sweater, clean dishes, sharp knives, meals prepped, call it a stalemate, atheists? God's existence is a quantum superposition that only collapses when I need my prayers to be answered. Praying focuses my white knuckled fingers to grasp the dial and turn it down until it clicks. That knob is still blathering but muted, like a silent movie, flickering flames containing a caricature overacting to compensate. Stream of consciousness manifests as a tsunami from a sprocket connected to a sprinkler on a lawn of a suburban starter home, weaving through the pattern bursts, barefoot, barely a sproutling. I'm envious of my past self when I wasn't subject to the weight of my own internal imposter syndrome. Sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of my dry heaving and Ouroboros in reverse, expelling up a creative expression from the cauldron of my core, a creator, a crucible, handcrafted, small batch, organic witch's brew. The higher power that watches me has a sense of humor as their wretched creature is beset by gravity, ketamine, and a clench of consciousness so lockjawed that blunting it requires an entire undoing of oneself. Willpower has terrible mileage. Grounding tempers the waves, but doesn't stop the storm. If I ever meet my creator, I will deliver a swift kick to the shins for the privilege of this work in progress. Thank you. All right, thank you, Winston. Up next, we have... <laughs> Caitlin Gilman. Let's welcome Caitlin. Hello. Um, this is called Blood Part Two. Could you please let the Duolingo owl know that we broke up? <laughs> You're both haunting my spam folder and I don't want your language anymore. How do you say no one should date the embodiment of their id in language redacted? You wanted me to scoop out my body's soil and replace it with yours. Were you surprised or disappointed 
to find I'm entirely composed of craft spirals and malaise. My mother thanks you for your service. She likes me weak, so she can do mothering. You know that we're a loving family, a love you family, never an I. A bee stung me yesterday, first since childhood, and now I'm forced to connect to that. And I'm feeling homicidal because I've stubbed my toe and because you told me I had no self-respect, and you were right. Now I'd like to be back on that eight-minute flight, eight hours before you told me that, contemplating existence as usual over a soft leather sheen of ocean surface, imagining it breaking like pudding skin and cool rush of quick descent. The freedom of a death at the hands of someone else's mistake, not my problem. I thought maybe if I tried noticing a new building each morning, I'd be a better person in a month. And at the spa, they scrubbed away every skin cell you've ever touched. But when I saw the girls with their mothers, all nude and smiling, I cried in the jacuzzi. <clears throat> Excuse me. If I had been those girls, your blood wouldn't be in mine now. Sometimes I still know what it is to be loved when pulling litter clumps from between helpless cat toes. And when I Google, still okay to wear overalls one strap? I feel, <laughs> I feel a little like I know myself again. Thank you, Caitlin. Up next, Rachel Sachs. Hello. Um, this is for the grandparent who made me a poet, and it is all true. <laughs> the Things You Inherit, edition one. <laughs> what do you name the woman in the artwork your grandpa wanted to leave his mistress, but instead left to you? One, Mimi, for mistress. Two, Doyers, for the street in Chinatown where they might have met, where your grandpa's favorite tea parlor is located. Three, Olive, for the model and lithograph, one edition out of 62, lying on an olive green chase, reclining so her coiffed head leans back, her bent knee opened, her hair covered vulva facing forward. Four, Pearl, for the artist of the lithograph, a painter known for his nudes, the kind of old white Jewish man your grandpa might have wished he could have been. Five, Ursula, Latin for little bear. This is for the nickname Polar Bear, by which your grandpa signed his letters to the mistress and also once inscribed a book to you as a child. Six, Anjou, from the title of the poem you always thought was meant for your grandmother, recalling a pinch of her pair of a butt. You reprinted it in a shoddily bound college curation of his work. It earned you a B in bookmaking, which at your school meant you deserved a C. He loved it. Seven, Red, for the likely color of his mistress's hair, as in the faded auburn wisps 
tucked in the envelope, left in a drawer of the armoire you inherited, marked hair and a half-working bright red sharpie underscored with a squiggle as if someone was meant to find it. Eight, rainbow for the four different colored lights under which your grandmother blurted out the memory of your grandfather's affair. Sunday morning, the three of you sitting at the kitchen table continued to eat your lox and bagels. It became a conversation. For a while, you'd forget who'd started it. Nine, Esme, as in loving a painting or a grandfather in spite of everything. Or is the model to remain an unnamed woman as the mistress will remain as she was always meant to be? You wanted to give this woman naked, fully exposed, some dignity, an identity. But the artist may not have had such intentions. Sometimes there's more dignity in a name withheld. We can only repent for ourselves. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Rachel. We have three more readers. Up next, we will have Mox and then Nat. But before that, we have our very own intern, Chloe Johnson, who's first time reading. never actually read any of my writing out loud before. So, this is a bit nerve-wracking, but I'm very excited. And I wrote this one yesterday, so it's very new. Okay. <laughs> it's called, I Don't Want to Talk, about how the moon listens better than my mother, or the street lamp god that gilded me. Holly drunk doves in morning whisper flicks missing the mark like I miss the taste of a tongue. Tough skin bitten by wit, my girlhood, gurgled and spit on Sunday church shoes. About how three makes sense. Tickle my spine with spider fingers up to my neck and blow four. Borrowed moonlight given back in prayer, gluttonous lips pressed against the pew. I've worked so hard to make you love me. Masking tape stuck to the ceiling, a birthday card with cheap text and a signature, a napkin, a graphite man hung to death for spelling my name incorrect, I for incomprehensible, a pencil to place, something untouchable. Did you know the North Star is bigger than the sun? That the greatest art is made in moments of pain, not healing, holy union of hell and human. Instead, I named my bed Jesus. Thank you. Let's give it up for Chloe again. I told her to read that damn poem. All right. All right, we have Mox Trissel, so let's welcome Mox to the stage.
there's someone in my neighborhood who um, whose tag says hot boy, uh, and I think it's funny. Uh, so I wrote a bunch of hot boy acrostics. Um, this is called the hot boy acrostic cycle. <laughs> Birthday hot boy. Hover barely, churn this pain home. Orphaned womb bears down a boyhood. Tub wet vinyl, midwife canting, brow burned, blood wet grip on thigh bruise. Crowning heads, soft tuft of black hair. Yes, sweet baby, break her, gut her clean. Basketball hot boy. Handling rubber, fingers tipping, outbound, fling their limbs in concert, toe the pivot, spit the ball, boys ballast shot with laughter. Spilling outcast softness, loop in layups, young boy, sweat joy, slinging netward. Hot boy, hot boy. Yeah. <laughs> Hung from banister of shoulders, off glanced from his cheekbone, swerves in tenor, taunts the body, ghosts it. Bedlit with relentless charm, the only, 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 yawps and snaps a feline sinew. Sweetheart, hot boy. Has he any clue, or has he only padded feeling, declawed, tongue soft, just the self is piercing? Bayonet of boy. A reckless offer, unfazed stare, his upswept urine will stain the offing. Bad top, hot boy. <laughs> Howl bound under healed hand, offshore dorsal flank white heart. I take it, mouth the linen, suck back bent air in the volta, till his oak fist thrust past pain point. Yes, no, yes, stop. Fucking please. Self-portrait hot boy. Honey shadowed as the waist dips, octave hand's breadth presses thighs back. Tremble stoneward, face the shorn edge. Buoyant, level, skimming boyhood, onus buried, pleasure, light guilt, years and lives I've paid in ransom. Yeah. All right, last but not least, you good? You got butterfingers? No. <laughs> okay. okay. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Last but not least, we have Nat. Is it Mesnard? All right. Let's welcome Nat. Last but not least, thank you. I'm honored to close this reading out. Amazing reading. Thank you so much, everybody. This is my first time reading here. Yay. Um, thank you for leading an amazing workshop. And uh, I'm going to share a poem about Canada. Yeah. I went to Canada for the first time this year to learn how to design games. So I see a lot of similarities between games and poetry. But of course, what I found in going to this game design workshop was that as in all things, what I was really trying to find was desire. So I'm Nat Masnard. Um, this poem is called 
the $92 snail for Bridget. Standing in a gift shop, you tell me the cost of the snail in US dollars instead of Canadian, arguing it's less than initially supposed. The purchase may be worth it, and yet this all feels like too much, too much desire. When I say that, what do you see? Maybe the Nova Scotian cafe we dine in days later, or the grab bag of treasure we do agree to buy there and unpack its broken contents. The reveal, a chipped mug, leaking rainwater, bracing as the maritime air I thought at first too cold, too cold to feel is how I've felt for so long. After all, I thought I'd forever be an icy geometry who releases light refracted till it differs from its source in clever ways. Yet on this northern soil, studied designs demand we cut up the rules of previous prototypes, collage out something else. Sunrise over Prince Edward Island, puddles following a brief storm, and muses, one who wears the exact right earrings, another bearing throttled passion whose release I long to carry out. If I had to describe it, I'd say my life's been a solo journaling game where I struggle to record hurt before its bittersweet splendor is sacrificed on the altar of new distractions. In this case, a felted snail who undermines all rationality by being too sweet, too soft. And though I've desired such transport before, this is the first time you have stood by my side in view of the object in question saying yes. There is a cost, and I appreciate that it's high, but also, I understand why you want this, and I think you can have it. You can have it. Thank you. All right, y'all, keep it going for all of our open mic readers for the YAP. Before I go through our finalists one last time and go through my rules about voting one last time, I'm going to announce the finalists for uh, Poem of the Year. Starting with last December, we have a very own Kiara DeLello. January was Anne Herendeen. February, Jazz Sufi. March, Sky Jackson. April, Jennifer Pinio Dunn. May, our old intern, Naomi Brenman. June, Alexis Gibbs. July, Nicole Alexander. August, Claire Miles. September, Eva Coiler. And October, S.E. Zalalem. So, you are competing for a November spot, and I'm gonna go through the list one more time and then the rules. We had Pau Ahimsa, Brian Petchers, Ellie Bell, Hunter Hodgkinson, 
Taylor Molly, George Bakken, Tonga Leslie, Kiara DeLello, Claire Miles, Darius Phelps, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Amanda Quaid, <laughs> Jess Gagne, Jim Stewart, Mark Wiseman, Alexis Dibbs, Megan Gwilt, Winston Chiang, Caitlin Gilmit, Rachel Sachs, Chloe Johnson, no favorites. <laughs> I see how it is. Mox Trestle, <laughs> and then last but not least, Nat Mesnard. All right, so the number you can begin texting now, the name of the poet, 2718-374-1953. Again, that number is 718-374-1953. All right, and last but not least, these tickets are now officially on sale on Eventbrite. Our last yop of the year will be on December 11th with our very own Jessica Greenbaum and tickets are actually on sale right now. So be sure to go grab those. Thank you all so much. Let's give one more round of applause to Kay for a phenomenal workshop. Thank you all for coming out tonight. And thank you for celebrating my birthday with me. It really means a lot. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all so much. And see y'all soon. Thank you. Oh, and we have one last copy of Kay's book for sale up in the front. Okay, there you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for November 13th, 2023. Thanks to poet Kay Iver for leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. Kay was also recently featured for our November book club at 144 Montague, uh, where people got together to discuss their debut collection from Milkweed Edition short film starring my beloved's Red Bronco. Congrats to Megan Gwilt for claiming the 12th and final spot in our Yacht Poem of the Year contest for her poem, I Digress. Our bracket is now complete for the 2023 Yacht Poem of the Year contest, which comes your way on Saturday, December 2nd. That is just seven days away from the time I am editing and recording this podcast, December 2nd at 144 Montague Street, and also via Zoom, you can get a virtual ticket or an in-person ticket, Uh, and whether you have an in-person ticket or virtual ticket, you can vote for Poem of the Year. The 12 finalists are Kiara DeLalo, Ann Herendine, Jazz Sufi, Sky Jackson, Jennifer Pineo Dunn, Naomi Brenman, Alexis Dibbs, Nicole Alexander, Claire Madden, Ava Kohler, SC Zalalem, and as I just mentioned, Megan Gwilt. The winner takes home a $500 cash prize and gets a featured reading at our annual awards gala on December 10th. Uh, you can also get a ticket for that, uh, donate to attend. Uh, we'd love it if you would do so. We'd be happy to see you at the gala. Uh, but maybe we'll just see you at the contest, and that would be great. Uh, thanks to my man Darius Phelps for emceeing the op this month and doing such a fantastic job. Darius, we back 
on December 11th to lead the final yaw of the year, led by Jessica Greenbaum. Uh, I would be there myself, but my wife and I just welcomed our second daughter into the world, so uh, my time is limited, as you can imagine these days, uh, but you are in good hands with Mr. Phelps. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you heard, we'd love it if you subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars. It helps more listeners find these amazing poets every month. Uh, yeah, that is all. We hope to see you at the Poem of the Year contest this Saturday, December 2nd. Or if not there, at the last year of the year on December 11th. Okay, thanks again for listening. Take care.